You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 187, five easy ways to feng shui your kid's bedroom. Welcome to episode 187 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach Feng Shui online. Check us out. Go to mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list. We have special free things only for our newsletter subscribers. You can go to mindfuldesignschool.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, sign up there, or you can look in the show notes. We have a link there. So before we get started, we want to do a little plug since Laura and I part of our services that we offer, we teach a feng shui certification program and we teach students how to become feng shui practitioners. And we have a class starting at the middle of September and we have Mm -hmm. some live information sessions happening. Yeah, so we just had one this past week and we are having another one coming up, I think this week and then probably another one in a couple of weeks. So we do these before the classes start to give everyone a chance to meet us, to ask questions, to learn about the program in detail. It's done live. It's about 45 minutes and we go over all the details of the program. And it also gives you a chance again, to to, to interact with us and to ask us questions. So make sure you get on the, on our mailing list because we end up sending out the direct link to the meeting, like to our entire list. Yeah, and we're also doing a free feng shui floor plan boot camp at the beginning of each of those. And you can submit your floor plan for review. And again, that's only available to our newsletter subscribers. You get a link to a form where you can upload your floor plan and then Laura and I will read it. So we hope all of you will join our mailing list. So Laura and I, whenever we put together these podcast topics, we're thinking about what is happening in your life, what's happening in our lives. We think about what's happening at this present moment because that's so important, an important part of feng shui to think about what's happening right now, what's happening in the seasons, what's happening in your life. And something that I know a lot of people are experiencing at this time in you know early September, late August is back to school. So we wanted to have an episode that looks at how to work with your children's bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time of year, again, lots of different ages going back to school. My son, he's going off to his final year of high school and then applying for university this year. So it's a big deal. It's a big year. So it's always in a parent's mind to make sure that their child is set up for success, that they're happy, that they're content. And so we thought we would go over five general points with some sub points in there about how you can use feng shui to um to support your child in their room so the first point is overall general position of many aspects but from the position of the room itself to the bed etc cetera, etc cetera. so angie do you want to start talking a little bit about the positioning and the location of the bed room itself yes You know, we've talked about so many times how important the bedroom is. It represents you and same for your children. Their bedrooms represent them. And it's really their place to go, right? It's their own little space. 
And so we've also talked many, many times about the commanding position, and we'll even talk about it a bit more today when we talk about the bed in your kid's bedroom. But I'm going to challenge you to think a little bit broader, more conceptually about this idea of the commanding position, because not only can it be applied to your personal individual position in a room, but it can also be applied to the location of the bedroom in relationship to the whole home. So that would mean that the bedrooms that are behind the midline of the home are typically the bedrooms or the people that are most in command of the home or the family. Traditionally, let's say the eldest or the grandparents lived all the way in the back when feng shui was developed. And also it, it's, it means that you have more control of your environment. You can see more and you're more protected. So if you had a kid's bedroom all the way in the back of the house, and then maybe the parent's bedroom is in the midline, further up, closer to the door, it could mean that the children are more in control of what's happening than the parents. And then there's a situation where you're in the very front of the home. So the closer one's bedroom is to the front door, it may mean that they have one foot out of the house. So it's typically ideal to have rooms like a guest bedroom near the front of the house. And as far as children go, it would make sense to have them near the front of the house or closer to the door or on the bottom floor closer to the door if you say have a child that's ready to go off to college soon or if you have a child that has been living at home too long and they need to kind of get pushed out of the nest as well. So so if you have a kid that's been home way too long and you think it's time for them to move out of the nest, then you could relocate their bedroom you know, closer to the door. So it's interesting to think about these relationships. And of course, there are lots of exceptions to these rules. But if we're talking just generally, it's helpful to think about this because especially in New York City, where space is at a premium, I've seen so many situations where the parents sacrifice their bedroom for their kids, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, it's just an observation. Like I've seen one apartment where there was a small balcony, probably the size of a twin bed that they built out to make it into an interior room, which is still like cold because it's not so insulated. And the parents were living in that room, although they were in command, the mo they were more in command. They were in the furthest back away from the door. And then the kids had the proper bedroom, which was like, you know, five or 10 times the size of that balcony. But, you know, it's just a consideration to see the balance of power and the relationship between the parents and the children. And if there's something that needs addressing, the feng shui can give you a lot of insight. Yeah. And I've seen it also. Another way you can look at positioning of the bedroom is when you've had, I've seen a parent, again, this idea that the parents will sacrifice, you know, for their children, which as parents, we do. And there's many ways we sacrifice, but maybe we're just going to get you to start to think a little bit, is that a sacrifice that you need to make? Is there maybe an option for a bedroom for your child that is an adequate size that they can have what they need in it, but 
you know, they're not in the best room in the house because I've seen parents that have literally moved into the basement and given their child the bedroom above them, which means that the child is on top of them. It supersedes, you know, again, the child has a higher place in the household. I mean, that's an extreme example and everyone is going to have a different situation and we're not telling you that you have to make these dramatic changes, but it's something to think about. And if you are in a situation, you can always work with a consultant because there are ways to adjust it. You know, even looking at the kid's personality as well, the energy of the child, sometimes it doesn't make a difference. Sometimes it's important. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. So the next point in that first point, the sub point in that would be the bed position itself, which is the command position, which we talk about a lot as, you know, listeners, if you've been listening to us for a while, you've heard us talk about it probably like, I don't know, every third episode, let's say. So (laughs) we're talking about bed position, commanding position. So for your child, you should make sure that their bed is set up so that when they are lying in bed, they can see the main entrance, the doorway into their bedroom. And they have a clear vision of who's coming into their bedroom so that they feel that sense of control. And, you know, things like being able to sleep better, being able to relieve anxiety, being able to feel a sense of agency and control in their life. It's a really important for them. And, and you know, when you're not in command, Issues can sort of come up, like they're not able to tackle certain things or they don't feel as confident. And, you know, there's a fairly easy change in order to shift that. We, I think we have an entire episode from, a, I don't know, probably a few episodes back on bed, best bed position. So you can go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't already, but you can use a mirror to reflect the door. So it's almost like you're moving the door of the bedroom so that now your child can see that door. So child to be lying in bed and you would position a mirror somewhere in their bedroom it doesn't have to be big enough for it to capture the image of the entrance and so that they when they're lying in bed they can see what's coming and going yeah and then the last sub point we have in terms of position would be a bunk bed bunk beds are very popular and we get this question all the time right angie yeah and this is also similar to the bed position because if you have two kids in a bedroom which happens quite a lot in fact one of our students recently posted in our group a project that she was working on where there's two children in one bedroom. So sometimes parents work with this situation by getting bunk beds and bunk beds are okay. And it really depends on the situation. Ideally, you just want the child that's, well, actually both children to not feel very compressed, that they have enough room to sit up, that Mm -hmm. they're not being pushed down because if say the person on the top bunk is quite close to the ceiling they could feel a lot of pressure you know this is also true in terms of the commanding position like if you have two kids in one room both of them can't be in command right or one can be more in command than the other and so you can think about the relationship and the personalities and how the energies of your children manifest and see what you can glean from their positioning in their room and if you could change the positioning based on your children. But as far as bunk beds, they're okay as long as you are not basically squishing them. They can sit mm-hmm. up, right? Yeah. And you can uplight them, like make sure that there's something that lifts the chi. So if if they feel compressed, if they're if they're feeling like there's pressure put on them, maybe they feel a little more anxious, they're feeling like they aren't sleeping well, you know, you can add lighting or something that brightens. So is it a really dark bedding that they have? Is the is the bunk bed itself very dark? 
Is there, you know, is there something you can add? You know, I've seen people adding like little fairy lights and stuff around to sort of lift the cheat, to lighten the whole situation. Because not every bunk bed is created equal. If you go onto Pinterest and look up bunk beds, you'll see the most fabulous bunk beds you've ever seen in your life. And they look great. And then there's others that are really kind of, you know, makes you feel like maybe you've joined the army. So you want to try and lift it, even if it's with color, something that brings some joy and some, some, some lift to the chi, if you have that situation. Okay. Speaking of color, that's point number two. We're going to talk about color for your child's bedroom. Overall, Again, there's no one color that we will recommend for your child <laughs> because every kid is different, you know, and this is why sometimes working, well, working with a consultant is helpful if you feel your child needs more support because you can really start to dive a little bit deeper about, okay, well, what's the child experiencing? What kind of energy they have? You know, maybe even doing their nine star key, finding out a little bit more about them, their elemental energy. And then you can start to talk more deeply about what colors might support them. So I, I think overall you want to avoid, Angie, what would you say if you had to say over, like if we were to pick kind of overarching colors, what would we avoid? So with kids, I would definitely avoid very bright hues like fire engine red and mm -hmm. Primary, like for the primary colors, that because they're very quite bright and energizing, especially if you have very energetic children, because maybe you want them to be able to have more restful time when they're in their bedroom so they can sleep. Mm -hmm. And also fluorescent, like very, again, very bright, stimulating fluorescent colors. So we're talking red, primary colors, fluorescent colors, because in my experience, when you work with kids and you give them a paint duck, they will always pick the brightest color. So one trick that I do with my clients is that I have the parents kind of pick some colors that they would like that are subdued and then give samples of that and then have the kids pick from the samples. Mm -hmm. So not giving them the option to pick through a whole paint deck with thousands of colors. Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't. I don't think that's super productive. Now, one thing I will say that I see a lot is at some point in child's life, they want to do their room in like calamine lotion pink or bright pink. Like pink is, you know, one of the colors that I see most in bedrooms with mostly girls that identify, uh, children that identify as, as female, and they are very focused on this color being aligned with their whole persona and pink, pink, pink. Pink is a color that has, you know, lots of different variations. I would say every child is different. There are many kids where pink is perfect for them. It's, you know, again, they have the sense of agency. They want to pick the color. They really love it. But it can lean toward almost like a fiery kind of pink. And it gets really like fuchsia-y. And, and that can be a lot of yang energy. And it can be really stimulating. So pink is actually kind of a stimulating color sometimes. So I would say if you are using pink, again, like Angie said, work with a consultant or with a color expert and pick ones that are not in the higher chroma and saturation range and go with things that are more muted and they can still get their pink. Any other thoughts on that, Angie, on color? 
No, I think that it's really, though, important to connect with your children about it. Because I remember growing up and my parents just picked the color for me. And I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, we're repainting. Why can't I pick the color or be a part of it? So that's really important. And that actually is one of the points that we have. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, go back and listen to some of our other podcasts when we talk about bedroom colors in general. And it's the same thing will apply for an adult or for a child. So, you know, maybe like go back and listen to one about the five elements. You know, for instance, you know, maybe your child needs more earth chi than that's yellow. Your child needs to think clearly and really communicate you know, so you could, you could use, you know, white from metal elements. So, you know, you can look at it from that perspective. Another thing you can do is you could, although we don't recommend this unless you're working with a consultant, because it can get sometimes a bit dangerous, not dangerous from a real way, more color wise, like woo, is looking at the Bagua. So you can take the Bagua. We have a, an e-kit that you can download. If you go to our blog, you'll see it there. You'll learn the different areas of the Bagua. Maybe your child's bedroom is in a certain area of the Bagua, and maybe you want to use that as inspiration for a color, okay? I think one thing I would like to say about color, too, is you don't have to color the walls. When we say color, it doesn't need to be, all of the walls need to be painted that color. You could still use, let's just say, do a neutral wall and integrate these colors into your child's room in smaller ways, bedding, accessories accessories, Mm -hmm. or you can diy your own art kids love that by blank canvas have them make some art and that's actually a great way to bring together the bright colors Mm -hmm. okay point number three study area so depending on your child's age you might be looking at needing an area for them to study i found that my child wanted to study at the dining room table or kitchen counter until literally like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago. So a lot of kids are doing their homework with their parents when they're cooking dinner. And that's great. You know, I think you can sort of determine that that's the spot that that happens every day for them. And that's where they sit down, they decompress. And then what I did is I created a little spot that had all of their papers and pens and stuff that was actually in the main living area, but it was their little spot that they could get all, he could get all of his papers and colors and whatever he needed. And then he would do his homework at the the kitchen table and or kitchen counter, and then he would put everything away. But now he has a desk in his bedroom or just outside his bedroom, actually. And it is in command, which is another thing that we talk about in our other podcast, but a desk like a bed should also be in command so that when your child is sitting at the desk, they can see what's coming at them. And they aren't sort of feeling like while they're working away with most likely, let's just say with their AirPods on or something that someone's going to come and kind of sneak up on them. And again, you can add a mirror to the wall that they're facing or to their computer so that they can see behind them if you can't move the desk. So as having a dedicated study area for children of a certain age is really important And even if they don't sit there and do their substantive work there, they at least have their their stuff, all of their things put away there. And it's an area where they can go and prepare to, you know, maybe go off and read their book or go off and do the, you know, work somewhere else. Like they just, they need a dedicated area. Any other thoughts on that one, Angie? No, I think you got it. I mean, I think it's a lot of the same things that we would talk about for adults. Adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, another one, point four would be good lighting. And the what I say when I mean good lighting is children, especially again, and maybe I'm going back just because I have a teenager, 
the sleeping patterns of a teenager is an interesting thing. They need their sleep. They they sleep late when they can and they stay up late just because of the way they're wired at this age. So being able to adjust the lighting for them, I mean, even little kids, like when when he when you know they're really little, you want to make sure that the the light isn't coming in to wake them up at 5:30 as soon as the you know the sun rises. It's like ping, their eyes open up. So having really good blackout blinds or the ability to make the room very dark is important so that children get a good night's sleep. Having said that, the other side of that coin would be to allow them to be able to light their room with lighting that is soothing. So having task lighting around, overhead lighting can be really harsh, you know, and often not necessary in a bedroom. You can put side lamps, you can put a desk lamp if their desk's there, and then, you know, being able to open the blinds up to let natural light in. Yes, we all need light to work, but, you know, this isn't the floor of a trading, you know, a trading room floor. It doesn't need to be lit like where you can land a plane. So try to have the lighting be nurturing and comforting instead of jarring. Yes. One thing that I recommend to some of my clients, especially my design clients, is to avoid the bluer lights in the bedroom because kids already have so much energy. They don't really need that blue light and they have enough blue light with all the devices and computers nowadays and it'll just keep them up longer. So having the warmer lights is going to be helpful, especially at nighttime, to balance out the influx of blue light that we're working with as you know, modern people in modern times. Yes. Okay. Last point that we would like to say is we're talking about children. You can't just take over and decide for them. You have to let them be integrated in the process. You have to let them choose. So one thing we would say is don't let feng shui rules make your kids feel powerless. So don't go in and say, oh, but I read somewhere and this is what we have to do. And I don't care what you think because of this and I don't care. That is going to do the opposite. So these are guidelines. And we were always taught when we uh, were studying and learning this by our teachers that when you're dealing with children, you really do need to have them involved or the feng shui isn't going to click. Like I have a lot of parents that come to me and they're just like, my child, I, I need them this, I need that for them. I'm like, okay, well, I need to talk to them like we need they need to be involved in this because we can't try and control another person. You know, we can't try and take over their feng shui or their energy or change their energy. So it's really important to get them integrated. Yeah. And this is especially true if they're over eight years old. You really want to get them involved and you can invite them to join in your explorations. And if they say no, then you respect that. And also something to consider is I wouldn't freak out if they do something that you know is bad feng shui because maybe they need that at the moment and it's not forever. You have to respect what they want. And then if they're under eight, of course you have more control of the situation because they're so young. So that's when you can make informed decisions for them. Yeah, I've found that if you have a skilled practitioner or consultant that you're working with, they know so many different approaches to an issue or a situation that they can come up with creative ways 
to offer things that, you know, you would know that as a, te- a teenager might really resonate with. Like there's some things that I wouldn't, okay, th- this kid is not going to want this or not going to want to do this, but there's this one adjustment that we have where we do this and it's, it's, it, it lands really well with that age group. They like it. It's fun. They can get involved. So, you know, if you do feel like you really want to get some more like deeper level feng shui done for your child or your child's room, I would recommend working with a qualified practitioner and one that is able to work creatively with you so that you can, you know, you don't need to do everything. You don't need to go in and quote, fix everything in a kid's room. What you do is you need to shift their chi and help them and support them. And that can be literally doing one thing for them that they like and that lands with them. Yes. And all of these things that we touched upon today, you know, even like Laura said, just one of them can help support and give your child more confidence and more support and more room to grow in their lives. Yep. Yeah. So we, well, that's it. Yeah. We hope everyone survives back to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share it with others. You can subscribe, leave a review. Please check out our website, mindfuldesignschool.com. Sign up for our mailing list. That's a great way to support us. Check out our mini courses and our certification course. And thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.